No, First John. First John chapter 3. Sorry, I got caught up there for a little bit. First John chapter 3. We, uh, we have been walking through First uh, John at a rapid pace over the last few weeks. And uh, tonight we find ourselves in chapter 3 of First John. Um, and we will start in verse 11. Uh, John, writing here in, in his epistle, uh, really is drawing for us what true believers look like and what false believers look like. And he really keys in on loving one another. And that just seems to be this repeated theme throughout the epistle, and tonight is no different. So let's look at First John 3, beginning in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now tonight I want to, uh, I want to give you these four reasons why we should not be like Cain. And taking that language straight from verse 12 there, we should not be like Cain. And he goes on talking about our love for one another. So number one, uh, we should not be like Cain. Because we are no longer slaves of the devil. Those of us who are in Christ are no longer slaves of the devil. Uh, We're no longer of the devil. The Bible says there in verse 12 that we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one. Cain was of the evil one. He was of the devil. You go back to the story of Cain, and if you will, just turn in your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 4. We'll do a little bit of Bible study tonight. Genesis chapter 4, just to refresh your memory on this this particular story. Genesis 4, beginning in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now this was important. When, When Eve says this, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, what she's thinking is after after they have rebelled against God, sinned against him, fallen from grace, she is thinking that maybe this Cain is the one who will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, She's thinking that this maybe is the one who would come and, and defeat the serpent forever and restore things back to the way they were. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. It's the first murder of many recorded in the pages of Scripture. 
We should not be like Cain. And this particular story, the story of Cain murdering his brother, shows us why. Because Cain here is of his, of his father, the devil. He's of the evil one. Um, you ever wondered, probably have, as you've read that story, why Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's accepted? I think there's probably a couple of different reasons, but I've taught this before. I'm not sure, I'm not ruling this out completely, but I've taught it in such a way that, that uh, Abel brought uh, a blood offering. Cain didn't. Cain brought, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And that it's not recorded for us, God ever saying that an offering had to be a blood offering. But we just always assumed, based on what God did after the fall in the killing of the animals and taking the skins of the animals and making coverings for them, that it somehow applied. And I've taught it that way. That The, the reason he accepted Abel's was because Abel's was a blood offering and, and Cain's was not. But I think there may be a bigger reason here. And I think our passage tonight in 1 John helps us to see it. It wasn't that one was a blood offering and one was not. It's more about the condition of their heart. It's the condition of their spirit. Not that one gave it in a a positive way and the other gave it in a negative way. But it's exactly what I talked about this morning. That Abel... We see here, before Christ, in some way, is regenerate. That he has been changed. He has been made alive. Looking forward to the Christ that would come, somehow God had made able able to please God. And to pursue God and to delight in God and want to come bringing a right offering. But Cain's heart is different. And we see this in the way that he answers God. There's almost this sarcasm in the way he answers God. There's the ultimate act of murdering his brother. And how would you like to be known as the first murderer in human history? So it, it tells us, it shows us that that. Abel is somehow alive spiritually, and Cain is still in this position of being dead. Cain's offering was rejected because of that very fact. And John eight forty four uh, deals with this issue of um, those being children of the devil. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and Jesus says to them, "You are of your father the devil." And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When it says there that, speaking of the devil, that he was a murderer from the beginning, Cain is simply displaying the the character of his father, the devil. He's murdering his own brother. Abel's offering, though, is, is accepted, and his is accepted for the, the same reason, that his heart was right before the, God, before the Lord. He was living, all due to the grace of God. In Hebrews, that's what Hebrews eleven four shows us when it says, by faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. 
There's another um, part there in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, verse 6, I think it is, that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so based on what we looked at this morning, Abel brought his sacrifice, his offering, in faith. And the only way we could have faith is if God quickens our spirit and makes our spirit alive. So we see here that Cain is still of the evil one. And if you're sitting here tonight and you are a Christian, you are born again, you are a believer and follower of Christ, you shouldn't be like Cain because you're no longer his brother. You're no longer of the devil. He's no longer your father. You've been adopted into not the family of the devil, but the family of God. You now sit at his table. We sang about it this morning. Jesus, thank you. And so that's the first reason why we should not be like Cain, hating and murdering our brother. Now, some of you would say, well, I've never committed murder, and I don't really plan to. Well, Jesus took it so far as to say, if you've hated your brother, then you have committed murder in your heart. Second reason why we should not be like Cain is because it's not a competition. We shouldn't be like Cain because this life that we live following Christ is not a competition. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 3, um, also in verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. There's this sibling rivalry here. There's this competition between the two. Cain is rejected, his own brother is accepted, and therefore this anger wells up within him because he sees this thing as a competition. His own deeds were evil, his brothers were righteous. Um, I think Psalm 38, 18 through 20, don't turn there. Just listen to this as I read this. I think you could say, not that this is where that came from, but I think Abel could very well pray this. This could be a prayer of Abel after going through what he went through with his brother. Psalm 38, 18 through 20, I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin, but my foes are vigorous. They are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Abel could say, I've done nothing wrong, God. I've, I've simply come to you in faith. And that's, I'm not disappointed that I have done that. But God, take care of my soul. Avenge my soul because those who come against me are vigorous. Proverbs 29 verse 10 also kind of sums up maybe what Abel was feeling. Bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. A lot of times you come into churches and, and uh, there is um, hatred among the membership. And a lot of times, I'll just be honest with you, the hatred that is there in the church membership is because we have unredeemed people on our rolls. And they, they are what Proverbs 29 talks about. Bloodthirsty men who hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. 
And someone said recently, based on my preaching on Sunday nights, um, you, must, you must think that there's a lot of lost people here. Well, I'm not the judge of that. But I do believe there's a good mix. And I'll go on record and say that. Um, and I'm very well aware of that when I stand in this pulpit to preach. That I'm preaching to those who are alive as well as those who are dead. And that's the reason for a lot of the quarreling that we sometimes experience. Um, it's not a competition. We, but for those of us, that's one reason. But for those of us who are genuine believers, genuine brothers and sisters... There's no competition. There should be no competition between us. We should not look at our brother and sister and say, well, well, he's more talented than I am, or, or she's better at this than, than I am, or, and, and have jealousy. But instead, we should celebrate that. Look how God has gifted that person. I'm so thankful for that. I, I'm so thankful to pastor a church full of people who are surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. As much as I think we are a mixed group of dead and alive, I think when it comes to those who have been made alive in Christ, I'm telling you, I think we have some wonderful people who are surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, using their gifts and their talents, their treasures for the kingdom of God. And for that, I am eternally grateful. You know, Wallace preached for me in my absence, and Greg also preached for me in my absence. And I got a text message, I think it was um, maybe Sunday night or Monday, and uh, it was from one of our church members, and they said, boy, you got some shoes to fill. And just for a split second in me, I went, ooh, that kind of hurts, you know. But then I realized that's a good thing. It's a good thing that, that this thing's not dependent on one man standing in this pulpit. This thing's not dependent on any of us. It's dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ to build His church and make us what He wants us to be. And He's putting together a body. The Bible talks about, Ephesians talks about that, that all of us are precious jewels being built up into this temple of God. It's not a competition. You remember the, uh, how the disciples uh, were, were always kind of reaching for more than what they really knew what they were reaching for? You know, the, the, their own mother came to Jesus one day and said, uh, Hey, Jesus, I want you to do me a favor. I want my sons to sit on each side of you in your kingdom. One on your left, one on your right. Jesus, just do that for me, you know, please. You know, that's, that's the spirit sometimes in the church. Elevate me. I want to be the one that's seen. But the reality is it's not about us being seen. And Jesus, on the heels of that, goes into his disciples after none of them were willing to stoop down and wash each other's feet. And Jesus takes the towel and girds himself with it and brings the basin and gets down and washes their nasty, stinking feet. Even of Judas, knowing that he would betray him. And he says to his disciples, what I've done today, you go and do. You see, it's not about us competing with one another. It's about us getting as low as we possibly can, following the example of Christ, so that he alone would be elevated above any of us. The third reason that we should not be like Cain 
uh, is because we need each other. We should not be like Cain because we need each other. In verse 13, he says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. John 15, verses 18 through 19, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The reason we should not be like Cain, hating our brother and sister, the reason we should not be murdering one another with our attitudes and our actions, is because we get enough of that from the world. Don't we? Those of us who are in Christ... Uh, following after him, we can expect persecution in this world. We can expect that they will not like us. In fact, they will hate us. The, the good news is, though, that we have one who is praying for us. Jesus prayed, and he is continuing to pray, but he prayed specifically in his high priestly prayer in John 17. Listen to the words of verses 13 through 19. But now I am coming to you. He's speaking to his father just before he's about to be crucified and go to heaven. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. We shouldn't be like Cain, hating one another, murdering one another, because we get enough of that from the outside. Um, I was watching the news while I was in Jacksonville this week. I just had it on, and I saw where uh, Chick-fil-A, you know, Christian chicken. Um, you know, Truett Cathy has done a marvelous job, built that company, but really he would tell you that the secret's not in his, his strategy or his intellect. It's, it's because God has built that business. And Truett Cathy, from the beginning, said, we will not be open on Sundays. That's the Lord's Day. We will, we will not work that day. And sometimes I, I bemoan that as I want some, some Christian chicken on Sunday, you know. And, uh, but, but he stood strong. And I saw on the news just the other day that there's a group um, that, are, that are pursuing a lawsuit against them because um, it, Chick-fil-A, there was something about a homosexual that applied for, for a job and was, was not hired. And I don't know that it was for that reason, but, uh, but they have made it. There's all kinds of media that's jumped on board now with the homosexual agenda coming against Chick-fil-A and Truett Cathy. I'm just telling you, it's one example of a whole lot that shows you that the world does not like Christianity. And we just need to be ready for that. But the thing we don't need is we don't need to be afraid or apprehensive or dreading coming to church because we're going to get the same treatment here. We need to be able to walk in this place and know that we love one another. Uh, I love the fact that it feels like, now Hugh may, Hugh may not like this, but I love the fact that 
it feels like people just linger longer and longer and longer after the services. That's a good sign because it means that you all like being with one another and you like talking with one another. And that's good. And that's how it should be because we need one another. If you're not connected with a group of believers here, I would encourage you to, uh, to do just that. One of the best ways is to find a small group Bible study and get plugged in. There's several classes meeting on Sunday mornings. Um, find me and ask me. Find uh, Angie Fowler, who is our, uh, our Sunday school director. Uh, we'll be happy to try to get you plugged in somewhere to get you in with a group of people that can love you so that you can go out into the world, like Jesus said, and be salt and light. The fourth reason tonight is that uh, we should not be like Cain, hating and, and, uh, and killing our brother because you can't kill what God has made alive. I think that should be a bumper sticker. You can't kill what God has made alive. I, I'm not going to do that because I don't like bumper stickers. But anyway, I think it's pretty good. We shouldn't be like Cain because you can't kill what God has made alive. That's what he says there in verses 14 through 15. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It's interesting that the word there, brothers... It's also up in 13 when it says, do not be surprised, brothers. And there when it says, because we love the brothers. It's not a, it's not the word for, um, it's not, it's not a masculine word. It is a word that could mean men or women, particularly in the context of family. It's the idea here of siblings. And when he, when he says this, he says, don't be surprised, family. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the family. Let me me just give you a couple things on this. You can't kill what God has made alive. Those of us who have been made alive, who have been quickened by God, been regenerated, been born again by the grace of God alone, we know what it was like to be dead. And think back. Think back to what it's like to be dead. Opposing God. Not finding joy in the things of God at all. In fact, joying in the things of this world, but finding them empty, but not ever having it cross your mind to run to the things of God. Being so opposed that you would not do that. We remember what it's like to be dead, but now we are alive. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I wanted to spend more time here this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you who were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind. I mean, we were children of wrath. We had what was coming to us. We were going to get it because we were dead. No way of turning to God, heading toward the wrath of God. But verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And it's as if, it's as if Paul here, when he's writing, he just has this burst of praise. Look at it there in your text. He's made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. It's like he just explodes. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that this is the hope of the saved series that I began this morning so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And those were the things that I covered this morning, the fruits of the Spirit and faith and all those sort of things that He's prepared ahead of time that we should walk in those. We should not be like Cain because you can't kill what God has made alive. And if you've been made alive, you remember what it was like to be dead. And why would you ever want to kill something that God has made alive? Why would anyone who has experienced what we just read about in Ephesians chapter 2 ever want to kill someone who has also been made alive? It makes no sense. If you come to the place where you realize that you are what you are by the grace of God alone, you have no right to criticize your brother. You have no right to be angry with your brother. You have no right to murder him with your attitude or your actions because he is exactly what you are by the grace of God made right with God. <laughs> Forgiven, raised up, seated in the heavenlies. But the murderer, the one who does these things, the one who does murder, he's free to kill. He's prone to kill because he or she is still dead. It's what I was talking about when, When I was referring to the fact that the, the issues that we have a lot of times are caused because we are uh, a mixed group. Those who are alive and those who are dead. It's what he's talking about there in the last part of verse 14 into 15 when he says, Whoever does not love abides in death. Meaning he makes his home there. His home's still there. That's where he dwells. He's just not on vacation there. He lives there. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Strong language. But those of us who have been made alive, 
we must take it to heart. And do as Philippians said, that we should work out our own salvation as he works in us. And there will be times when you get frustrated. There will be times when you get fed up. Look, I, I've been pastoring, I told you this morning, um, either in a support role or as a, as a lead pastor for almost two decades. And i got to tell you, I've encountered some trying people. You know, I mean, sometimes I get people that come to me. Wallace knows all about this as well. Sometimes I get people that come to me here and say, boy, I just, I just don't want you to get discouraged. <laughs> and I want to say, you don't know what I've seen. Because I've seen some people that call themselves brother. But boy, it didn't look like they were. So for those of us who have been made alive, who have been adopted into the family of God, let's start looking at it that way. We are the family of God. And just like when you go home at Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever and you have that crazy uncle. We got some crazy uncles. All right? But like it or lump it, we are the family of God. And there's not one of us that's more important than the other. We're all here by the grace of God alone. Let's love one another. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that I don't have to stand in this pulpit and get creative every week. God, that I can simply open your word and your word just speaks to us. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who is our teacher. God, I pray that he would teach us more and more as the days go by. About the character of God. And about our own true character. And God, that as the days and weeks and months and years go by, that you would continue to show us all of the ugliness that still resides within us, and that piece by piece, as we work together, that we would be conformed to the image of your Son. Thank you for calling us to one another. Thank you that we are the family of God. Because before, we were orphans. But now we get to call you Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night.